Amen. Blessings to that. Man, that was awesome. I really enjoyed it. That was a great choir, wasn't it? It's pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty yeah, pretty big choir, that's for sure. Well, listen, welcome in the name of the Lord. We're excited about what God's going to do here today. I'm just going to move this right here so I don't cause any problems. Thank you. And so we're in the series of Your Opportunity Is Now, and I'm hoping that God will really move in a mighty way. So we're going to have to go old school today because the cable to that is messed up. So you're going to have to take out your phones, your pads, your Bible, something. But we're going to go old school, and so you're going to have to break out uh, the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, pads, something, go to the Gospel of John chapter 20. The Gospel of John chapter 20, and the reason why we're going through this now series is that the Spirit of God is convincing me over and over and over, to the best that I can understand Him, that God wants to do something through us now. Now, um, this series, we're going to continue this series all the way through September, and then October, we're going to go into a series on end times and fear, and really what does the end times say, and there's a lot of different interpretations and, and there's some things, obviously, we don't know, but we want to really try and address that uh, going in all the way towards uh, the end of October and then into November. So I, I want us to really dive in this morning on what this means uh, about your opportunity is now. Here's what I believe with all my heart. When you give your life to Christ, the Spirit of God comes upon you and He gives you spiritual gifts. Everybody in this room who is born again has spiritual gifts and God has given you a call on your life. He's given you a call on your life. And sometimes the way we live out our lives, sometimes we get confused on the call. So here's the setup. If you know the gospel of John, you know you're in next to the last chapter. We're going to get into the last chapter. And you know, this is where Peter is restored in his call. Peter was a, a man that God had called and, and, and done a mighty work in his life. And then all of a sudden, near right before the cross, the very night before the cross, uh, actually in the early that morning hours, Peter begins to deny the Lord. He denies him three times. And so his, his filter is kind of jacked up. He's kind of messed up. So he doesn't understand his call in that sense, or could God ever redeem and restore his call? But here's what I want you to know that, that God is in the restoration business. So let's look at the gospel of John chapter 20. I want to start with verse 30 and following the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Verse 30, and then we're going to go into chapter 21 as well. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Now don't miss this passage, it's powerful. Which are not recorded in this book. Now, I know what you're probably saying. You're saying, why? Here's what we know. Every theologian, everybody who gives their lives to the study of Scripture knows this. That whatever God puts in this Bible is timeless. What do I mean by that? That means that the application and the principles that are in this word is applicable to us today. In other words, if you're trying to find, discover, should I marry this lady or should I marry this man or should I take this job? Here, for example, scripture is not going to say, John, go marry Lynette. The scripture is going to say in Proverbs 31, here's the type of woman you should marry. You don't want to marry somebody in Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7 that goes in. He gives us principles. So the word of God is giving us principles to live by today. So Jesus did many other things. 
But those things were for a specific time and a specific place and specific people. So when God speaks to us right now, what's ever in this, we can take the principle and apply to us and it works. So don't miss it. So which are not recorded in this book, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe, say believe. See, you, you, people can say, how can I know? How can I know I'm really saved? First John 5, 13. These things are written that you may know that you may have eternal life. John repeats himself, the beloved, the one, the youngest one, the only one not murdered for his faith, martyred for his faith, killed for his faith, but was banished to the island of Patmos for a while and received the deep revelation of God in, as he writes the book of Revelation. But he wrote in 1 John later on, right before Revelation, he writes in 1 John 5, 13. These things are written that you may know. Well, he says it already here in this verse. You can know that you know that you know that you are saved and born again. You can know it. You can know it when you're taking your last breath. You can know it before you take your last breath. You can know this. So these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, or the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so we're going to see Peter be restored back to this life that God has called him, back to his calling. So here's what I want to give you today. Here's the main idea today. Are you ready? So all this is online, by the way, on Facebook at Summit Church. It's online, summitcharleston.com. You can see, click on sermon notes, it's right there. So here's what I want to give you the main idea. The main idea is this today. Because of the resurrection, right, this happens so right after, right immediately after resurrection, because of the resurrection, don't give up on your call. Every one of you are called. He said, but John's not, God's not calling me to be a missionary. Well, one, yes, he is. Everybody in this room is a missionary. Well, John, I don't feel called to go overseas. Oh, no, no. You mean you're qualifying your missionary call. You, you're, you're, you're putting a location on it. The word missionary doesn't mean you go someplace else. The word missionary means you live for somebody else. That's what it means. We're on mission. And so that you can have life. So the idea is because of the resurrection, don't give up on your call. Your call is beautiful. Your call tells a story. Redemption and restoration screams out to a lonely world that is longing for love. In verse 31, there's a life to be lived, but it only can be lived in the name of Jesus. You can live your life your own way. I can live my life my own way. But only in the name of Jesus can I fulfill the call of God on our life. So let's ask the Lord to open our eyes. Father, open our eyes that we might see the very presence and power of Jesus Christ. Who, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And Lord, because of the cross and because of the resurrection, that we can cast off anything that so easily entangles us and that hinders us from running and finishing and answering the call that you've called us. God, let today our eyes be open, let shackles be broken, that we would fulfill the call regardless if we said, I am disqualified. I love you, Lord, because nobody can disqualify what you have qualified. And there's power in the name of Jesus. So I'm asking you to speak that today. Lord, look at me. You You just kind of have to work through this weird vessel. So that people would see Jesus. Forgive me so I can hear you clearly. Forgive us so we can hear you clearly. And God, give us the courage by the Holy Spirit 
to stand up and say yes to the call. We ask this in the powerful and the most powerful name of anyone in this world that has ever lived or living or will be. In the name of Jesus, we all said what? Amen. So here's the problem. Here's the idea. So theism is this idea of that God, there really is a God, and then he interacts with the world. Now, a deist would say, no, God created the world, and then like a bowling ball, set it in place and let it go. But theism is really interesting because it says there's a God who interacts. Now, Christianity is absolutely hated because Christianity says this, yes, there is a God, theist, who, who interacts with the world, and his name is Jesus. They, they put qualifiers on this theism and say, here it is, his name's Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, there's life. In the name of Jesus, there's hope. In the name of Jesus, there's power. In the name of Jesus, there's purpose. And God has called you to a call. And I'm going to show you today, well, I'm not, the Holy Spirit. The, there are principles in this passage for us to understand the call of God. So let's look at this passage, if you will. Verse 1, chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. That's way back where he called them, by the way. It happened this way. What a a powerful phrase. What a a powerful phrase. Verse 2, list the names. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, sons of thunder, and two other disciples were together. Verse 3, Here's what happens. I love this in verse three. Verse three, just straight out lets you know the very heart of Peter. Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Okay, saints, what was Peter doing before he was called? I didn't hear you. I can't hear that well. What? Fishing. He goes right back to the very place where he was. He goes right back to the very thing. He says, because of what's happened in my life, I am going to go back. Uh, There's something wrong with me. I'm disqualified because of my sin in my life and the things I've done. I've denied the Savior, even though this is my third time seeing him in this resurrection process to disciples. I'm, I'm, I'm just not worthy. Whatever else, put any type of other qualifier you want in there. Here's what's going on. So the Lord, look at verse, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, you're weird, Peter. Is that what they said? No, what did they say? What's your version say? Yell it out. Yeah. Man, yeah. All right, Peter, you're like the ringleader. If you're going, I'm going. Let's go. I mean, if, if, you, if you're not called, maybe we're not either. We, we don't know what to do. Let's go. So they go right back out. Listen, the Lord gave me this. and The Lord is calling us not to go back what we did before our call to follow Jesus. Did you hear that? That's pretty good. The Lord is calling us not to go back to what we did before our call to Jesus. We're not to go back and say, this is what's left for me. This is my lot in life. I'm telling you, when you encounter Jesus, you just can't stay the same. Because there's something inside you that the Lord brings to life. And by the way, there's huge frustration in going back. Why? Because when we go back, 
we get the same results as we did before. Look there in the rest of the verse. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught what, saints? It's like going back to that same relationship. It was dead before. Why are you going back? That's right. Well, y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't care how lonely you are. When you go back, you're still going back. It's not going to change because it's a new day. The only time somebody changes is when they have a new relationship with Jesus. So unless Jesus moves into that relationship, or unless Jesus changes that person, you going back to that person, you going back to the same old in about one or two weeks, you're going to be back in the same old funk with the same old problems, with the same old ordeals and the same old arguments, trying to figure out the same old thing, the same old way with no results. And in the end, you're going to be left holding high and dry with nothing but lint in your pockets. Because there's going to be nothing left. They caught Nothing. Doesn't that sound like Peter's call before in the Gospels earlier when they went out and they caught nothing? Going back, going back, going back leads you back to nothing. That's why Jesus called you out of nothing to make you something. There's a big frustration. It will not get any better going back. The only thing that comforts our hearts is it's familiar. And by the way, I want to tell you, familiar isn't always better. And you don't want to put any new wine into old wineskins because something's going to explode. And it's not gas, people. When do we go back? So John, what are you saying? I'm not to go back. Well, when, when do we go back? What makes us want to go back? What makes us want to go back to the way the things were or the go back to the things that we need to, or, you know, things aren't working out on the football team like I thought, so I'm going to go back or things aren't working in the classroom or I'm going to go back to them or maybe, maybe my grandchildren's not working out. So maybe I'll need to go back. Listen, I just want to tell you, don't go back. The reason why we go back, the Lord showed me, is we go back when Jesus seems dead. Mm. Reason why Peter went back is even though he had encountered the resurrected Jesus, the things really weren't back to right. So when, when, when things seem, when God seems dead, that's when we go back. And what makes Jesus seem dead today? Well, I'm glad you asked. When bad things happen to good people, it makes Jesus seem dead. The Sanhedrin come together. They say, we're going to bury Jesus. We're going to kill him. And so the high priest and all the Pharisees are together. And what do they do? They kill Jesus. When bad things happen to good people, a bad thing, death, happened to Jesus, God seems dead. We know that God had ordained it and it was going to be something beautiful. Here's another thing when God seems dead. When we feel like we failed Jesus. Jesus denied, I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times. So when we feel like we failed Jesus, we, we want to go back. We want to go back. I'm not good enough. I'm not good. Man, Lord, I, you know, that was just a terrible sermon when I, that I got up and preached. It's absolutely awful. I want to go back. How many times do you think I think that? Almost every time I preach, there's rarely that after I get done preaching, I go, wow, that was really good. I just want y'all to know that. It's not like I walk out of here and go, oh, I feel so good about myself. Listen, I want you to know the only reason I feel good about myself right now is that somebody brought me a donut right before I walked out of here and it changed my life. <laughs> and that's the truth. 
And it was, it was a Dunkin' Donut and it was big and it had a lot of glaze on it and, and it just changed my life. Just absolutely took me to another place. And so what happens is, yeah, we want to go back when things, when we feel like we fail. I get up here and I preach all the time and I go, that was awful. People say, do you want to listen to your sermons? I'm like, no. <laughs> but I need to, right? And the point is, you know, you're never satisfied. You're never satisfied. Like, you know you could have, God, I, I should have said that. Or, oh, Lord, why didn't I say that? And, you know, the Holy Spirit, as I'm talking to you right now, is like, tw, 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 stuff just coming. And I just go with what he says. But sometimes there's so much, I just can't get to it all. And so I always feel like a failure. But guess what? I can't go back. I can't go back to the dead thing as if the dead thing is going to change. The only thing that if I go back to the dead thing, it's going to make me dead. When it gets tough to stand for Jesus, we believe God is dead. What happened to the disciples in the garden of Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives? What did they do? When they came to arrest Jesus, what did they do? They ran. They fled. God seems dead. Well, what about confusion? No answers to prayer. No hope. Am I really making a difference? Then we say God is dead. But here's the good news. The good news of grace and the good news of the resurrection is that even if we go back, God will find us and speak to us again. That's the good news. So if you want to go back or maybe you've gone back into a situation, the good news is that God will speak to you again and it will most likely be just like the way he found you in the first place. Like Peter. Peter had casted this this net and and he didn't bring anything. And then Jesus in his first call, go back and look at early in the gospels and he says go out and put it out and cast it on that side of the boat and they pull it and they got this big old fish and Jesus I mean Peter looks at Jesus says I'm a wicked man you know huh I can't do this thing and Jesus says nope you're going to follow me you're going to no longer fish this way but you're going to fish for people he'll call and call you the same way the good news is that if we go back, Jesus will speak to us and he will find us again. How does he do it? Here we go. Number one, the first way Jesus restores our call, and I'm asking God to restore your call today. The first way Jesus restores our call is he does it right where we are. So you're here today and the call of God is today is that he wants to restore your call. You've been sitting way too long. I'm going to put Robbie on the spot. Some of you out there can sing. Some of you can play. Quit sitting. Quit sitting. Well, I'm not a member of the church. And John, that's just the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be members because where I grew up, you had to be a member. I want to say something. That might work at your church, but that doesn't work here. If you're a born again believer and you're on fire for Jesus and you've got a love for Jesus, what you waiting on? You waiting on the skies to open up and a big bright light to come on you and God drop a rock on your head? Is that what you're waiting on? God's not going to do that. I'll tell you why. You can wait for to walk out at night and the stars align that says, go do this. It's not going to happen. You can say, God, if you want me to do it, then the next three stoplights I come to will be green and they're probably going to be red. You can march around this building seven times and hope the walls fall down. Probably not going to happen. 
But I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. He's going to come to you with a still small voice in your spirit and he's going to say do it and your mind is going to say no. But I'm going to tell you what, you can either listen to your mind, which will jack you up, or you can listen to the spirit of God that will set you up. Your choice. Your choice. Some of you need to get up. God has called you to do it. He's given you gifts and you're waiting for an opportunity. Here's your opportunity. Come follow Jesus. Say yes to your call. John, I don't even know what my call is. Oh, you're just asking good questions. And the the word of God has a lot of answers. So he does it right here where we are. Look at verse three again. I got so much and I just, no time. It's like going to a buffet. All right. So (laughs) Simon Peter told him and they said, we'll go with you because he's going to fish. So they went out and got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. You go back, you get nothing. Same old stinky relationship. Early in the morning, early in the morning, cat band for the old people, y'all know what I'm talking about. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. The Lord showed me some early in the morning because of the grace of God, we got another day. His mercies are new every morning. He could have brought the hammer and said, I am done with us. I am done. I'm going to move on and raise somebody else up. But he gave us a new day and it's called his mercies are new every morning. And he's given you a day to hear the voice of the Lord, it says, restore your call and answer it. But because of the grace of God, we have another day. Even when we are back in the thick of doing what we used to do, Jesus will be there and he will speak. And you might have gone back and just settle in, just settle in and just settle in. And God's voice is coming to you again and he's speaking to you again. And what's beautiful about it is we don't have to clean ourselves up when we're in the thick of it. Peter is in the thick of fishing. And look there in verse four. Jesus stood at the shore, but the disciples did not realize it. He was in the thick back in the old stuff, had gone back to the old stuff. Jesus was standing right there at the shore and we don't even recognize him. Notice the disciples didn't recognize Jesus' presence. Someone might be in here saying, I feel nothing. I feel nothing today. Well, guess what? Jesus could be hitting right beside you and you don't know it. Jesus could be speaking to the person right beside you in their heart. And just because they're not telling you, you don't know it. You're looking and thinking they're just messing around and playing on Facebook. And God could be speaking powerfully to them. Then we go into verse five. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Now, I got to stop for a second. Notice, and this is really powerful for me. Notice the disciples didn't recognize his voice. Initially, they don't recognize his presence. Secondly, they don't recognize his voice. This is really, this is powerful, deep stuff. Because here's what happens when God usually speaks. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to us. And because there's been some that distance, because we're not walking in the call that God has called us to do. Then there's this, there's this distance. We don't hear his voice like we should. Like the more I respond to the obedience of God's call on my life, which is to be this pastor and teacher, the more I respond to it, the easier and, and the quicker I recognize his voice. It just works that way. But the good news, he does it right where we are. He comes to us and he calls us right where we are. And he's doing that to us today, early in the morning. He gave us grace to hear him one more time. Second way Jesus restores our call. He has it all figured out so we don't have to. 
He has it all figured out so we don't have to use it. But John, I don't really understand my call. I don't understand. Guess what? You're never going to understand it. There's not a pastor in America. There's not Billy Graham, men of God. There's not Mother Tree. You will never, ever, ever fully understand the call of God on your life. Ever. God's just asking you to say yes. He's got it because it's his call for you. You're not going to fully understand it. I'll show you. Look what it is. Look at the kindness of Jesus in his voice. Look at the kindness. He calls them friends. Romans 2, 4 says this. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Tolerance and patience. Not realizing that, God, it's God, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. God is the most kind God you'll ever meet. And you're afraid that he's going to judge you. And how is he going to judge you when he's already judged Jesus? Jesus paid it. Jesus has already paid and satisfied the wrath of God. All that's left for us is his love. So come back to that call. He has the whole call figured out. Now, I want to, I want to use something here. Uh, my version here, NIV, says he called out to them friends. Somebody else have another version they want to yell out. What did Jesus call them? Children. Who said it? Raise your hand. Children. Excellent. That is the correct version. I, I like my NIV because it's written on a fifth grade level. You know what I'm saying? Elevator, don't make it all the way to the top. That's why I like NIV. It's just easy for me to memorize. God gave you eyes. I'm trying not to plagiarize. Just, you know, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to memorize. But here's why. I either can memorize out of King James. I don't know why. Because I grew up on King James. Old King Jimmy. I love the these and the thous and the those and your mamas. But, you know, I, you know, or, or, or I got to go simple. But in seminary, we, everything for me was New American Standard. A lot of you love the ESV. Nothing's wrong with the ESV. It's a lot like the New American Standard. New American Standard is literally the closest one like to this Greek translation Hebrew. But it's wooden. Like when you read it, it's wooden. It's, it's, it's kind of thick. It's hard for me to memorize. So I kind of bring it down a little bit in my NIV. But children is correct. The Greek word there. It literally means this. It means a young child, a little boy, a little girl. Now, I'm not talking about an infant. I'm not talking about a micron in Greek. I'm not talking about an infant. I am talking about a little child, somebody who four, five, six, three, you know, seven, a a little child, that type of age. He's calling them little child. The idea behind that is the idea of understanding, that they don't have complete understanding. So Jesus is calling us today, restoring our call. He's saying, John or little child, you might not have it all figured out, but don't worry, I got it. I got it. Look, I'm trying to break it down for you in this way. First Corinthians 13, 12 says this. Now we see, but a poor reflection is in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I will know fully as I am fully known. See, we are not going to know until we're in the presence of God. You don't have to worry about your relatives that are in the presence of Jesus. They already know everything and the reason why and why they had to die and how they died and their sickness and their pain and their suffering. And oh, by the way, they're rejoicing in heaven that even though they suffered long and hard, that that suffering brought glory to God. Just read the end of John chapter 21. Just read the end of chapter 21 where he says, Peter, this is how you're going to die and it's going to bring glory to me. And when I was reading that, don't think for a minute I didn't say, God, let my death bring glory to you. So don't get mad at God when they're suffering in death. Start asking God to use the suffering to glorify him.
Don't think for a moment they're up there shedding a tear when they're rejoicing that God saved them and redeemed them and restored them and they're in his presence. So here we, we only partly know. You try to figure out this the rest of your football scene. You try to figure out the rest of your semester. You try to figure out your grandchildren and your family or your direction or where you're going. You can't figure it out. If you've got it planned out, then you are God and he is not. Let me tell you what the Lord said. It is okay not to know. This is where we trust. By the way, we're not in the dark. We just don't have a complete picture. It's not like we're a bunch of, just like the world thinks Christians are blind idiots. You just say, God says come and you just step off the cliff and just, you know, he's a crutch. No, he says we know in part. We know in part, like I know part of my call. My calling is pastoring. My calling is teaching. My calling is exhortation. My calling is prophesying. I, I, know, I know shepherding. I know that that is my call. I know that is my gift. But I don't have a complete understanding. And when you, when you try to completely understand, you start pressing. Let me just go back and forgive me for using football because it's just simple for me when I go back to my coaching day. Here's what happens as a, as a coach. When you don't fully trust everything, you start pressing. What do I mean by that? You try to, you try to outcoach too much. You overcoach too much. You start putting in too many plays. You start trying to manage the players' days way too much. You start trying to do too much. You start pressing and pressing and pressing. And pretty soon you're trying to hold the season. It's like water in your hand. Like trying to hold your family. You start managing everything for them. You start managing their meals and their caloric intake. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you can't even have ice cream in school. And it's a sin. And... As a joke. And so, and, and, and really, you, you know, you start pressing and you start trying to control everything. Here's the thing. We can't control everything because we don't know everything. And it's okay that you don't know what God is leading you, but you take the next step. So you take the next step like Jenna and Tim and you, and you give your life and you move on this campus to try and infect the whole generation with the gospel. And you try and then all of a sudden you start thinking about, well, what about down the road here? What about this for my daughter? They're never going to figure it out. Ask any parent in this room. Ask any grandparent in this room. You're not going to figure it out. What you think your children are going to do, they're probably not going to do. See? Telling you. And so the more you press, the less you open up for God to work. It's okay not to know. We know in part. You know what that word means? The word this idea that we know in part, it literally means the word know there in that, that 1 Corinthians 12. It means you're assigned destiny. Did you know that? That's what it means in Greek. That you know in part you're assigned destiny. You don't fully know you're assigned it, but you've but you got to respond to the call. God wants to restore our call. God has asked you to do something. Y'all know in this room, tell the truth, come on. You know God has asked you to do something and you said, Maybe. Maybe uh, later he's not very attractive. I don't know something, right? You, you you know God's asked you to do something, and you just you're like I just don't I don't know is it really from the Lord? Can I just tell you God is kind. The wrath of God is over for us. We have nothing but love. If you miss God, do you not think He's kind enough to put you back on track? Quit worrying about making a mistake because sitting there is making a mistake. Silence gives consent. A no is a decision. I just don't know that is a decision. It's a no. God is trying to restore your call this morning. 
He's asking you to say yes to it. You can go, but John, I don't have it all figured out. I just think he wants me to go do this, or I think he wants this, or I think he wants me to go and talk to this person. I'm afraid what they're going to think of me. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. You go to Summit, what more do you want? They already think that. You know, it's, listen, it's going to happen. But you've got to respond and let God be the Lord. And if you say something to that person, and three months from now, it stings and stays with them, and they give their life to Christ, then you can rejoice that some plant and some water, and God gives the increase, and you are part of the planting and watering. But you've got to do it. You've got to quit holding on so tight. Your 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 assigned destiny. The word there, no, means assigned destiny. You're squeezing out your destiny instead of letting God reveal your destiny. Second way Jesus restores our cause, He has it all, has it all figured out. The third way. This is it. The third way Jesus restores our call is he calls us the same way he did before. Very simply, look back at verse 6 and following in chapter 21. Verse 6, he said, because they got no fish, they've been out fishing all night. Went back to the same old, same old with the same old results. Y'all know the definition of insanity. Verse 6, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. You mean to tell me I'm this close, Jesus, and I've been missing it? I'm this close? I'm telling you, for some of you, you are this close. And the distance for you, the distance between your success and your failure is you getting in front of the Lord right here soon in a moment and saying yes. That close. That close. Right side of the boat. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. He didn't need to walk on water when he knew the one could save him was there. It wasn't a matter that I'm not afraid to get out of the boat. The the point was I got to get with Jesus. And so here's the opportunity for us to come to Jesus. Here's the opportunity. So why? We will recognize the Lord. I love this. I love this. And so let's keep going here. All God is saying is just come. Just come and say yes. I'm talking to you, believer in the room. Say yes. Quit fighting God on your major. Quit complaining about it and say yes. God's wanting you to step in for your grandchildren. Say yes. God is wanting you to stand up at your work. Say yes. God has called you in the very place that he's called you and he's going to do something. But you've got to say yes. He's not going to make us. He's not going to force us because he's kind. Let's keep reading. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. You know what's amazing? The thing that Peter was looking for didn't matter to him when he saw Jesus. When you're not responding to your call, you're not looking for Jesus. But when you respond to your call, all that matters is that you see Jesus, not what happens around you. 
The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. It's just amazing. Peter was afraid of drowning in the Sea of Galilee when they were walking on water. Yet he's a hundred yards away and he cared less about that fear. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Now, this is what the Spirit of God showed me. Another powerful point. What we are trying to catch, Jesus already has. That was really good. The very one thing that you want, they were out all night fishing, didn't have anything. The very thing that they wanted is the very thing that Jesus had. So if you say yes to your call, the very thing that you want, the very thing that's been eating at you, that's driving you to your call, Jesus has. And you can go about it your way and not respond to the call. And I can go about it my way and not respond to the call. But the very thing that I desire more than anything else in this life, I'm going to tell you what my, my, I have a couple goals. Number one is I want to go to heaven and take as many people as I can with me. Number one. Number two, and I'm going to tell you this eats me alive every day. I want my life to count for something. It eats me. I don't want to lie in the funerals I do. I don't want to lie in that casket. I don't want to lie in that thing and matter to nobody. I don't want to lie in that thing and just a couple people show up and say a couple nice words and I'm not even dead 48 hours later and they done moved on in their life. I want my life to count for something. I want my life to have touched people, not material. And it eats me, and it eats me, and it eats me. And here's what's interesting. If I respond to the call of God by saying yes to being a pastor, then I will have the very thing that I've always wanted, which is to touch the lives of people. Jesus already has the fish. What we are longing for, the Spirit showed me, can only be found in Jesus. Our fulfillment in life is in our calling. What we are looking for can be found easily in Jesus, what we, but we can't outwork Jesus. They were fishing all night. Stop squeezing the people around you. Stop trying to squeeze your life and control it and focus it. Stop squeezing because you'll be fishing all night and you'll come up with nothing. And yet the very thing that you want is the very thing that Jesus has if you will say yes to him. See, God is calling you. Now, you're probably saying all this, John, why are you on this? Your opportunity is now about your calling. Why is this? Uh, because I want to give you this, and I'm ending. Ready? Oh, where's Robbie? I need you to come play with me. I need, uh, uh, here's, here's why. Here's why this is so important. This situation is, is powerful for me. Why? Why uh, about your call? Why am I on this about your call? Why, why is this so important? Because your call matters. Your call matters to the Lord. I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 11, verse 29. Keep your finger there and turn to Romans eleven twenty-nine. 29. Your call matters. You're up in the balcony. I see you from the people all the way at the top to the people in the balcony right there on the front row. Your call matters to God. Your call matters. And here's what I want to show you. Romans eleven twenty-nine. 29. This is great. Tell me when you get there, say amen. I, that's about half of us. I want, you to, I want you to look at this verse. Romans eleven twenty nine, And again, we apologize for that cable. Romans eleven twenty nine. It says this. For the gifts and the calling of God 
are irrevocable. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Your call, my call, our call matters to the Lord. Did you know that? Your call matters. The word irrevocable in the original language, the word irrevocable means this. Are you ready? I want you to circle this. I want you to write it down. I want you to do something. I want you to make a point of this. It means unregrettable. It means unregrettable. The gifting and the calling of God is irrevocable. It means that your call and your gift will not leave you in a place where you have regret. Is that not powerful? When you say yes to the Lord, you will not be in a place of regret. You will not be in a place where you look back at your life and say, why did I waste my time? Why did I do this? You will not be in a place of regret when you say yes to the Lord. Your opportunity is now. You say, but John, I'm 18, or John, I'm 85, or John, I'm... Doesn't matter. God can give back the years that the locust stole if you feel too old. And if you feel too young, God qualifies the unqualified. You will not live a life of regret when you say yes to Jesus. Some of you in this room just needed some encouragement to say yes and renew that call and stay faithful in it. So maybe you want to kneel and just say, Lord, I, you know, I've already said yes to the call, but I just want to continue to say, give me strength. I love you and I thank you for it. There's others in this room, God is calling you to do something. Whether it's to go to a person, whether it's to stand up on your team, whether it's to stand up in your family, whether it's to stand up at your job, and he's calling you, and he's calling you, and he's calling you, and he's calling you. He left it in scripture for you to say yes. It's time to be the leader that God's called you to be. And here's how you lead. Not that you say I'm a leader, you just passionately pursue Jesus. Trust me, you'll stand out. You will stand out. People will think you're weird. People think you're strange. People think I can't connect. Don't worry. The Spirit of God will do all the connection. Just passionately pursue Him. Say yes to the call of God. That same word, irrevocable, is only used twice. That Greek word is only used twice in the New Testament. It's used in Romans eleven twenty nine. For the giftings and the calling of God are irrevocable. It means you won't live with regret. It's used one other place. 2 Corinthians seven ten. Let me read it to you. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Let me read it again. For, for the sorrow is a, that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. The sorrow of the world produces hopelessness. But the conviction of the Spirit leads to life. And in John chapter 20 verse 31 but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name if the weather holds around 1245 we're going to be down at the pool and we're going to baptize
Some of you need to step into that new life. We're going to have a little fellowship afterwards. But the point is, some of you need to say yes to the call of God. It's time for you to stand up. Your room, your dorm room, your job, your family. God has called you. He's made it very clear. This word is timeless. It's not just for Peter. It's for us. So if you're sitting there and you're a believer, if you want to come kneel, we want to lay hands on you. We want to agree with you. Established in the mouth of two witnesses. If you're not a believer and you have been touched by the Spirit of God, then there'll be people right off to the side that want to talk to you. Will you say yes to the call of God? He stands and he calls you friend. Father, that is our prayer. Who will come and just bow and say yes to the call of God. God, that they, first and foremost, maybe there's some people in this room that have just been kind of running from it. It's okay. They can say yes. Number two, maybe there's some people in this room that have said yes to the call, but they need some encouragement in that call. They need, they need some encouragement, some love, some reaffirmation in that call. They had to do it all over again. They'd say yes. Maybe they want to come and just spend some time with you. And Lord, maybe there's some people in this room that don't know Jesus. Here's their opportunity to say yes to the call of God. We love you, Lord. And I thank you that you call us back right where we are. So we worship you today. Thank you that you've called everyone in this room to make a difference for you.